Hi there and welcome to Blaze Explains. This time on this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Internet of Things. We discussed AI, then we discussed ethics in AI in another episode, and we touched on the Internet of Things, but it's such a big topic, we sort of deliberately ignored it. Um, But not today. Today, I'm going to try to bring us into the world of IoT. Uh, For me, it's one of the most fascinating topics I ever discovered. When I uh, was doing lots of interviews online, you can actually find it still online. There's an interview I did with Ravi Rajendran from Hitachi. And there's a moment where I suddenly clock the conceptual reality of the Internet of Things, what it means, and I I completely lose my mind. Although I, I can't remember if that was in a commercial break or actually within the interview itself as you'd see it. But I just kept asking questions and I had this image in my head of an oil rig connected to a city, connected to... Uh, a power grid connected to a smartphone and sort of endlessly expanding out. So I'm going to take us through the core points here in the journey of IoT. I would urge you to bear in mind how this looks when you try to imagine it, how it works for you, but mainly, well, I'll tell you how I imagined it, which is still imprinted in my mind from that day. I imagined it as a grand piece of conceptual artwork, kind of granular, detailed, but endless and fluctuating, brilliant, but like anything brilliant, also terrifying. IoT, when you start to think of it like that, has an endless realm of possibilities, and it does. Well, let's start with what it is, the definition and examples and applications of it. Quote from Matthew Evans, the IoT program head at Tech UK, speaking to Wired, simply the Internet of Things is made up of devices, from simple sensors to smartphones and wearables, connected together. That's pretty good. The Cambridge Dictionary defines the Internet of Things as Objects with computing devices in them that are able to connect to each other and exchange data using the internet. By combining these connected devices with automated systems, it is possible to gather information, analyze it, and create an action to help someone with a particular task or learn from a process. In reality, this ranges from smart mirrors to beacons in shops and beyond. Again, Matthew Evans speaking to Wired. One study from PwC showed that 35% of U.S. manufacturers are already using data from smart sensors within their setups, and the smart home market revenue was forecast to be $141 billion by 2023. By 2022, consumers from North America were forecast at 40% of global customers. 57% of Americans say having smart products in their houses save them around 30 minutes a day. And it's important to think about America here because Amazon Alexa, Google Nest, These are their primary markets. About 60% of buyers buy smart products for the ability to monitor their homes from their smartphones. If you've ever heard of Ring, which monitors your doorbell so you can see who's there to reduce thievery and to view remotely who's coming and going. More than half of homeowners think of installing smart products to increase the value of their houses. Well, you can charge more if you're renting a place that's already smart. I know, I've had to pay more for it. Based on a 2019 study, the penetration rate of smart products in the U.S. reached 69%. And it's not just smart homes that are attracting people. Smart city initiatives worldwide have doubled between 2018 up to 2023. The value doubling from $81.5 billion to nearly $190 billion. Projected. And when you start looking at how these smart cities are laid out, it doesn't just apply in the context of North America, although there are some very interesting stories there. I think Toronto uh, wanted to have a, a fully smart city. But if you look at somewhere like Singapore, it kind of already is. If you look at developing 
cities that are intending to leapfrog developed competition by essentially laying their industrial groundwork as digital groundwork and operating like that. It offers them control and visibility. Jerry Foster, Chief Technology Officer at Plex, smart manufacturers have better control and visibility across their operations than their peers, allowing them to more quickly and accurately adjust to changing market conditions, including crises such as COVID-19. And this is the point. Let's go back to the power grid example. If you take a power grid and you want to apply the use of that electricity as effectively as possible by having a program in place that monitors the use uh, from every device everywhere within the region that it applies to, and this is important in terms of reducing the use of fossil fuel power usage, but also maximizing the potentiality of something like solar power or nuclear power that is more environmentally friendly. Being able to manage that in real time and in a way that married with AI effectively means you actually use the same amount of power that you need, but far reduce the capacity for you to use energy or rather the necessity of of you to use energy. Now that is really important because you can suddenly take that concept and blow it out. Okay, why not spend money on a bunch of stuff I don't need if I have an API thing that connects and tells me where I need to spend money and where I don't have to and where I can save it? Again, this is already happening through various different concepts and through companies and digital banks. But within businesses, it's most interesting because it means they're able to apply themselves as effectively as possible. And coming out of COVID, with every business and pretty much every industry, apart from those uniquely positioned to take advantage, it's been such a squeeze that people are going to come out here with every tool at their disposal that will help them benefit in in an increasingly digital age sped up by COVID. They'll need to do it and they'll be ready to take advantage of it as we emerge and things start unfreezing and moving again. And it's important to bear in mind because these are the companies that are going to be able to hire people. A survey from Microsoft found 94% of companies say they will implement IoT strategies by 2021. Why wouldn't they? Look, if you can possibly implement one of these, let's say you're talking about a crop yield in Southeast Asia or Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, that why would you not use a technology that would help you waste less and produce more uh, or... or, uh, preserve more in order to keep prices high if that's what you want to do. Why would you not do it? Everybody who can possibly think of an application at this point is going to be thinking of it now. It's the biggest thing that will happen in terms of internal industrial management and internal company management at scale that is repeatable and will be repeated across every market, every industry, in every country. Why it's important to understand it, but I think Understanding the concept means you can pretty easily extrapolate that out in whatever you're doing. So whatever industry you're in, whatever industry you confront, whatever instance you confront, company, business deal, you can then immediately apply this thinking and it can be actually realizable, something you can actually realize. And I mean that in terms of business terminology. So make real. Eliza Smart Factory. Manufacturers are already adopting IoT to help improve quality control achieve operational efficiency, transform customer experience, and more. Manufacturers using IoT are seeing a return on their investment in the form of improved product quality, tick, greater operational efficiency and safety, tick, better inventory tracking, tick, and more accurate demand forecasting, tick. And that is it, in a nutshell. If you want to understand it, understand that. And that works in anything you do, including creative endeavors. Important to remember that. A study by Cisco said 61% of factories who have implemented an IoT strategy believe they have just begun to scratch the surface. Well, they have. 
This has just begun. This is the future of how we're going to operate. So how do we get here? That's the question now. Let's look at this progression, okay? So beginning, uh, I can't remember, when, when, when was ARPANET created? Very turn of, turn of the 1990s, basically. Around then, a bit before. Then World Wide Web, World Wide Web shortly after. From Analytics Vidya, the number of connected devices year on year. This has got to be the most important development to bear in mind over the next 100 years of how our economy and world is going to transform. 1990, number of connected devices, 300,000. 1999, number of connected devices, 90 million. 2010, number of connected devices, 5 billion. 2013, 9 billion. Projected 2025, now who knows how far up COVID is going to push this. Number of connected devices, 1 trillion. How many phones do you have? Do you have a watch? Do you have Bluetooth headphones? Do you have good ones? Do you have a laptop? Do you have a tablet? Do you have a car? Do you have a smart home, a smart meter for your home energy consumption? Fitted probably against your will by the company. Water consumption? It's everything. How did it happen? 1968, a guy called Dick Morley drafted a memo that would lead to the making of the Programmable Logic Controller, PLC. 1989, World Wide Web was founded. 1992, TCP and IP to connect PLC was founded. IP address. 97, wireless M2M technology becomes prevalent in the industry. I'm just going to check what they mean there by M2M. Just uh, machine to machine, obviously. Sorry. It never hurts to explain things. 1999. The term Internet of Things, IoT, is coined by Kevin Ashton. 2002. Cloud technology takes hold with the launch of Amazon Web Services. And we all live in its shadow. No disrespect to Amazon, that's fine. They've done well. Incredible vision. 2006, OPC Unified Architecture Protocol is released. This enables secure remote communications between devices, data sources, and applications. Meanwhile, devices get smaller and smaller, meaning you can have more and more of your own. 2011, having your own device, bringing it around with you, becomes the standard. And from 2011 to 2016, IT standards enter industrial automation. Boom. 2016, the image of the industrial internet of things emerges. I remember when I went to the industrial roadshow in a, in a Chikarang, which for a journalist to go there and learn about how industry works was a hell of a place to learn it. Unbelievable. Fascinating. And that was about the same time that this started to take hold and talk about linking the industrial revolution to the digital revolution, actually seeing it in play looking at the programs people were writing for their own companies to sell to other companies, watching them discuss it. That's how the world moves forward. Meetings like that in places you wouldn't expect. Also 2016, up to now, AR and VR, augmented reality and VR become the norm. The security of industrial data and assets remain critical. Look, augmented reality, we already live it through our phones. The difference is it's not on our heads. It will be. I mean, that's the point Elon Musk makes with with Neuralink. I mean, that is the point. We're already living that life. It's just the next stage. From Laureate. The Internet of Things can now be considered a mature technology with a multitude of options, both in terms of connectivity, hardware, and use cases already available on the market. And that's true. So what are the current trends of the Internet of Things? Active Internet of Things devices, IoT devices, in 2019 was 9.5 billion, far more than the estimate of 8.3 billion that was predicted. A third of companies are using IoT solutions to optimize processes, reduce operating costs, improve data collection, create new revenue streams, or increase revenue from existing ones. 
because why wouldn't you? Instant IoT and smart devices have already increased the performance metrics of major US-based factories. They could boost productivity from 40 to 60% from BBVA OpenMind. Now, how are these being applied so far? Here are the top 10 IoT application trends. A, security. I don't know how a top 10 comes in A, B, C, D, E, F, but whatever. Let's just go through them. Security. Software as a service, which is SaaS, which is kind of anything, as far as I can tell, when you start to expose the, the definitions of the things that you use every day in managing a business or just managing your daily affairs. Uh, edge computing, data analytics, smart cities, industrial IoT, there you go, smart home, healthcare, environment, global connectivity. BBVA's 2020 trends for IoT. Growth in data and devices with more human device interaction. We, we, we all see this happening everywhere. AI will be a big player in IoT again. AI will help IoT data analysis and data preparation, data discovery, visualization of streaming data, time series accuracy of data, predictive and advanced analytics, and real-time geospatial and location. More and more and more, it's at your fingertips. That's what it's going to be, and AI is going to do an increasing amount of the work for us in terms of increasing efficiency, which will mean that more companies can become more and more efficient, which, in my view... Yes, there will be big companies that do well out of this. However, this does massively favor fast-moving startup companies. So stay lean, stay flexible, so you can take advantage of things by changing very, very quickly, pivoting. Voice user interface will become a reality that is not just limited to smart home and factory applications, but also in between devices like cars and wearables. There'll be more investment in IoT. The real expansion of smart IoT in smart cities and self-driving cars will continue the rise of industrial IoT and digital twin technologies. Through the use of those digital twin technologies, manufacturers will be able to create a clear picture of how IoT tech interacts with their manufacturing processes. This gives businesses insight into how their machines operate and mean that they can predict changes. More movement to the edge. Edge computing is a technology that distributes the loads of processing and moves it closer to the edge of networks, i.e. sensors, where they are gets it there. The technology allows users to minimize latency, conserve network bandwidth, operate reliably with quick decisions, and collect and secure a wide range of data and move data to the best place for processing for better analysis. I think decision-making is the really key concept here. Decision-making, as well-informed, as real-time, and as effective as possible, is what you want and what you want to be able to do. IoT will focus on security using blockchains. Blockchain offers new hope for IoT security for several reasons. First, it's public. Everyone who joins can see the blocks and transactions stored stored and approve them. Users will still have private keys to control them, though. Blockchain is decentralized, so there's no one that can eliminate a single point of failure weakness. And because it is secure, the database can only be extended and previous records cannot be exchanged. That's what a blockchain is. So, obviously, it's useful for the Internet of Things. What will happen as well? Well, there'll be more legal, social, and ethical issues, and standardization will still be an issue. There'll be massive disparities between who's got it right and who hasn't. There's a problem with, you know, if you're not operating at scale and you don't have the ability to task a bunch of people to within your company to figure it out and to analyze what you can do, maybe you'll, you'll be losing an edge there. And maybe it'll need to be standardized by governments in order to not allow monopolies to develop. Well, that's important to consider as we move on to the next section of this, the impact on the economy. Study from Juniper Research found 
that IoT platform revenue will reach $66 billion in 2020, a 20% increase from $55 billion in revenue in 2019. McKinsey says that by 2025, the overall economic impact of IoT will surpass $11 trillion, surpassing sectors like mobile internet. Companies spending on IoT will hit 1.4 trillion. Companies spending on IoT will hit 1.4 trillion by 2021. The McKinsey Global Institute projects the value of IoT will create each year in each sector by 2025. So it projects the value the Internet of Things will create in each year in each sector by 2025. I'm still saying that wrong. By 2025, these are the value changes in all these sectors as predicted by the McKinsey Global Institute. There you go. First of all, healthcare from 1.1 trillion to 2.5 trillion. Manufacturing from 0.9 trillion to 2.3 trillion. In electricity provision, 200 trillion to 500 trillion. This is all dollars, by the way, USD. Infrastructure, 100 trillion to 300 trillion. Security, 100 trillion to 200 trillion. Resource extraction, using mining equipment effectively, for example. 100 trillion to 200 trillion. That'll also probably help with environmental damage because ultimately we're still going to have to mine some stuff. Around 100 trillion in agriculture, around 50 trillion in vehicle use. The GDP of Germany, according to Frontier Economics, will increase by $370 billion with just a 10% increase in in investment in the Internet of Things. The GDP of the US would increase by $2.26 trillion over the course of 15 years. This is a pretty big topic. It's a pretty dense topic. And it's, I guess, important to look at all these facts and look at all these data points to understand a picture of where it is and how it works. And I hope that helps and wasn't too formulaic for all of you. But as you start to dwell on it, you wonder, well, how do I apply this within my own business? And I think the way you have to think about it is, look, if you don't think it's feasible, it means you're not at the stage yet where you need it. But when you are at the stage where you need it, you can't ignore it. You've got to view it as something that is, you must adapt. You must include You must find a way to harness. Lastly, though, the concerns. Samsung says the need to secure every connected device by now is critical. There is a BBC piece talking about predicting BBC future, talking about what things are going to look like and talking about how big data will be traded on the black market. It will. I mean, I, I worry all the time about people stealing ideas as I have them. So I try not to write things down anymore because I assume someone's going to nick it. It's uh, just something you've got to deal with. You know, people do whatever they can. So it's important to make sure you develop personal relationships with the people you work with and to assume that everyone's going to see everything about you. From Project Sherpa, the use of IoT can be associated with the generation and manipulation of vast amounts of data that may relate to human behavior and interaction, popularly known as big data. IoT is big data. Big data and its manipulation can result in potentially high impact, for instance, on privacy security and consumer welfare, Kshetri 2014. IoT is big data. That's a realization when you think about it. The first time you realize it. And what does that mean for the individual? It's a big question, maybe a dangerous one, but it's one you have to mull over yourself to understand how you can cope with it in the world, in your work, in your home life, and in the decisions that you have to make every day as a consumer and as a participant in society and how they're being influenced. And politics. Anyway, security concerns over IoT. From Forbes, default raw data storage, whether a company sells a product to law enforcement officers or merely retains data that could be subpoenaed, evaluating how IoT devices and the data they collect can be used to endanger people is a part of modern risk assessment. I mean, there are so many stories that touch on this. I think uh, there was a, a famous one of Apple didn't want to break into an iPhone of a, of a suspect that the police were insisting that they would. 
There's the issue with uh, how Facebook handled raw data storage. There's the issue of how the NSA handled it. Another concern, insecure devices. It's hard to tell what's going to make your device secure nowadays from those who want to get in. Because here's the next risk, trolls and bad players. If someone wants to come for you, they're going to come for you. And, and you can protect yourself to a degree. But once you come up against people who have the level of skill that they have, I think you need to make sure that you and your business, where that's applicable, but also you yourself can survive that. Next one, surveillance. What can you do against a state? You can't. With devices all around us, all collecting data, all accessible remotely, there is a new ability to measure and monitor individuals' and groups' behavior. I think the saving grace of that is we don't really know what all that data means. We think we do, and we think we can predict how people are going to behave. And yeah, to a degree, you can guess and get it right, but it is, it is guesswork uh, at, at best. First time you're dealing with this insurmountable amount of data and drowning in it. I mean, how well do we do with the dissemination of information between the general population? I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but I'm glad it did. This is a completely new level of that. You'll be able to pull an interpretation from it that you can exploit. And this is, I think, where you take faith. Because yes, it is very big brothery, and yes, it is very terrifying, but how are you going to exploit that amount of information without being a multiple of a supercomputer with a multiple of human decision-making involved with it? In which case, you'd end up employing the entire world to make decisions for the rest of the world, which then is not something that would ever happen in in the way that one fears. Here's another problem. Lack of updates will make it easier to hack into devices. Here's a big one. Data breaches. They happen. People get your data. Compliant data storage. People who are storing data don't want to annoy the wrong people. And then here's dosing. DDoS, distributed denial of service attacks. If a hacker can gain access to insecure devices, they can take down huge portions of the internet by simply hammering servers with relentless requests from thousands or millions of connected devices. That's what that is. And that happens a lot. This is cyber warfare. Sensitive data storage. Be careful with how you store sensitive data. Once you get to the point I think you're big enough and you're important enough to worry about what your data is going to be and know that people are going to be coming after it, what you need to do then is have your own servers and employ cybersecurity firms. And people do, and it's important. And it's also important that, you know, they cyber cybersecurity firms are always going to up this risk because uh, it is important and it does absolutely exist more than ever in, in the time of COVID. Uh, also, you know, they want more business and they'll get it. So no issues there, but remember the balance. Now, privacy in Internet of Things. This is from the Athens Journal. Identification of personal information. This happen- uh, What was the big one? Equifax. Well, big recent one. This happens all the time. Profiling. Finding people. Geolocation. Where were you? Where do you go? What do you do? Liability of date for data breaches and loss of data. Who do you hold liable? Can you prosecute a company for being hacked? It's a very open question. One of the examples of ethical issues around IoT is employee monitoring. And I think this is really wrong because I think everybody's process of working is different and trying to assume everybody can act exactly like a drone to be productive is uh, an appallingly damaging thought process almost entirely designed by those within corporate structures who seek their own advancement and not that of the company or anybody around them. That's just my opinion. However, nearly 80% of organizations use some sort of electronic performance device. The impact is around 26 million workers are electronically monitored. How closely are they monitored? I mean, some of the stories that you do read about this, it's like, well, you spent 20 minutes not being productive. But that 20 minutes, me me being, quote unquote, not productive, was me making sure I'm unbelievably productive in the other time that I use and the decision-making processes that I use. That's a nasty thing. This is is nasty. But guess what? If someone's going to jump on and use this as much as they can, then what's going to happen is they're shooting themselves in the foot and they're leaving themselves open to competitors. So this is another way of the balancing of the scale of this 
surveillance and data is, you know, it is a massively double-edged sword. You use it and you expose yourself to new risks. Respecting individuality, independence and work processes is important. Quote, Project Sherpa. Undoubtedly, a wide array of devices and technologies enable employees to monitor employees and track resources in order to check on productivity, safety. Okay, safety, fair enough. Theft, also important. Use of company time, debatable. And company resources for personal purposes and to try to prevent harassment. Yes to all. However, again, you risk becoming counterproductive uh, and leaving yourself exposed to competitors by overusing this stuff. The problem with employee monitoring is the aspect of consent and the power asymmetric with it. According to Project Sherpa, they are not supposed to, they shouldn't be taken lightly. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this is where it comes to being a competent adult, being an important person, no matter who you are, McNish. Competent adults should be able to consent to any surveillance action so that the action itself obeys the proportionality balance between the parties involved and hence is considered ethical. In the case of employee monitoring, the knowledge of the surveillance or monitoring is very significant. However, the power asymmetries may overrule the information symmetry achieved by knowledge and consent in case the employee is not in a powerful enough position to deny consent. Engage with your employees. Don't try to catch them out. It's like, you know, you're trying to score a victory against your teammates. What, you know, what? people do it, though. Sucks for them. It's just, it's just going to, you know, it's a, it's a cosmetic measure. Uh, employed by people who do not understand the value of of working towards a common goal, only the value to themselves. So, coming to the end of this now, the Internet of Things is an extraordinary beast, a beautiful piece of conceptual thought made reality, but also filled with terror and anxiety as to what it could cause, both in terms of societal repercussions, individual repercussions, freedom repercussions, and power, but balanced by its own scale, a threat to all those who intend to use it poorly or with ill intent that doesn't mean it won't be used with ill intent and that doesn't mean that it will only be a bad thing what it means is we've got to watch our backs as with everything as we always have it is new it is tied into the world around us in a way that most people simply don't understand and that is important that people start to understand that a lot more but it also is another great leveler of the playing field if you can learn how to take advantage of it at the right time in the right way. And it's a massive risk to large entities, whether governments, corporations, or else, by effectively rogue, anti-productive individuals within them. It's important to remember, and let me just find this statistic now and and quote it properly. Okay, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I don't want to waste too much time, but it's like this. 50% of your managers in a company of 100 managers are doing 90% of the work. Of those, 20 are doing 80% of the work. Of those, 10 are doing 50% of the work. Of those, 2 are doing 40% of the work. There are so many people who hold big entities back. So the bigger you get, the more quote-unquote dangerous you get as an institution, as anything, the less efficient you are. So remember that when you start to worry about this late at night, thinking that you can't succeed because they're only going to steamroll over you. Yeah, they might if they target on you, but they might not because... It's hard to target. Once more, have faith, have hope. Thank you for listening. I hope this shed some light for you or at least wasn't too boring, even though it was a little bit more dense than I guess I normally keep it. But do let me know. Do you prefer it dense or rambly? We try to strike a a balance. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to my producer, Justin Blattner, and the team for putting the data together. Take care and see you next time.